0: Anderson afternoons the podcast hi and thanks for checking out my podcast coming up mayoral candidate tim dyak on the meth crisis we'll discuss 24 7 construction with chris lawrence from manitoba heavy construction and my friday regulars fiona Odlum and dr cyrus dirksen please subscribe to and rate this podcast and now the podcast <laughs> Tim Dyack joining us now to talk about the meth crisis. Have you, have you been listening, Tim, to CGOB this week with all the experts and the various stories and stuff on the meth crisis? Or it, I guess you're dealing with it every day out there on the street. Maybe you don't need to hear it as much as others do.
1: Well, I, I have been listening and I have been working. So,
0: yeah, uh, yeah you're just <coughs> Want to lose the headphones? Sure. Yeah. They, take the headphones on. off. That's fine. You can turn it up right here if you want. to. But you don't need that. No, I'll do this. Let's yeah. talk about uh, the meth crisis. So, what would you... Jenny was out yesterday. Jenny Malkaluk was out yesterday and said, we need a task force. What would Tim Dyack do as mayor of Winnipeg?
1: Well, task force sounds good, um, but that's not the answer. Uh, and the deployment of police resources has to be at the discretion of the chief of police. I was involved uh, with a task force. Operation Clean Sweep, and it was good for a geographic area. It won't be good for citywide. It has to be concentrated, targeted, 24-7 police presence. And we, as a city, I wouldn't want to live in a city like that. And secondly, it's uh, it's only effective in the short term. It takes care of a spike in a problem. This is a long-term problem, and it won't be solved just with police presence. Um, and I, I don't say that by by academic or theory, I by practice. I've been doing this Uh, meth arresting stuff for 20 years we do drive up the price at times and we do have an effect but we need we need everybody to come to the table and it's not as obvious for a lot of people go well okay so we're gonna get health on board well yeah we can we can get uh, nurses in hospital and different levels of government but I think what you've done this week the CJOB has done this week is exemplary it is exactly uh, a a large component um, the media education.
0: Because it has to be about education, a big part of this, right, Tim? E- well,
1: if you're going to be proactive,
0: it's education, for sure. And
1: um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, uh, That I think it was HBO put on The Wire, and they brought out each season was a, a viewpoint, and the media was a viewpoint. And, and that that series is good education for how, um, as a community, mm-hmm. we should be looking at addressing methamphetamine in our city.
0: Yeah. Do we need more cops on the streets right now, is that part of the solution? I know it's not, you know, we can't arrest our way out of this. Everybody says that, but is it part of the solution? Do we need more cops right now to deal with the crisis? Uh,
1: We have cops. We need the cops on the street, not doing the administrative end. So we Mm -hmm. need to streamline information systems. So yes, that part of it to get the police out so that they can engage. That's correct. But once we engage somebody who's in meth psychosis, that's where we get bogged down. Yeah. And that happens, I would say, in my area, and again, I only monitored a radio for the north end a half dozen times in a shift. We'll have something that on the radio you immediately know. It's a woman jumping in front of cars, male running down the street with a club, an axe, a knife, Mm -hmm. some sort of weapon, up on a garage roof, acting erratically. The 911 check the well-being calls. There's people breaking into my house, and I'm in the closet with a knife. Uh, Those are... It's all... It's it's overwhelming now.
0: So let me hear your elevator pitch then. The meth crisis in Winnipeg. Go. Elevator pitch. Elevator pitch. You know, that's where you and I get on an elevator, and we're going to the next floor, and you've got that long to give me Tim Dyack's idea of what needs to be done with the meth crisis. This is a huge problem. I get it, right. but but you know, Jenny says task force. That's the headline mm-hmm. uh, with her. What what is your headline uh,
1: at the city hall when I showed up for uh, for the? Uh, I guess it was uh, a purple ribbon, um, you know, and it was to show cohesiveness or, or support for those who have lost uh, children through addiction yeah I was quoted and I stand by that quote we need a 50 to 100 bed secure facility anything that we do now um, has to be it has to incorporate the safety of the public the innocent the uninvolved that's the priority secondly is the priority of the workers you can't have people in jeopardy because you have an unsearched person who's under the influence of methamphetamine probably armed most of the ones I deal with are. And then you can look at the safety of the addicted and the person that we're treating. And so a lot of these um, um, opiate um, injection sites that are discussed, they don't have that same issue. So that needs to be addressed up front. We shouldn't conflate the two. It's got to be understood what the beast we're dealing with and deal with it with the proper tools. Mm -hmm. So, is the elevator off the floor now? The
0: elevator's off the okay, floor. Very, so, that's, that's that number one. Very good though in answering that quickly and that's what I was looking for because I think that's what people want to hear now. They don't want to hear the politicking. They don't want to hear the campaigning. They want to hear what you would do as mayor of Winnipeg to fix this incredibly huge problem right now.
1: That, that would be the goal. Because being able to take somebody in meth psychosis and then to be able to—I mean, if we're going to have an, a, a supervised injection for methamphetamine, we need to house that person when we do it. Mm-hmm. We can't just let them walk out onto the street again. Uh, Nineteen ninety, I went down to Florida and on a uh, on an investigative course, and I sat beside a guy. His name was Hank. Can't remember his last name now. He was from Amsterdam, and he was the chief vice inspector for the Netherlands. And I said, "Wow, you know, we're hearing a lot of positive things about a little drug-free zone." He said the halo effect. It's the first time i ever heard those words. And the halo effect is, yeah, in that area, if you've got zero crime. It's very good. What they don't tell you about and what police officers will tell you across the planet is then outside of the radius of this area that's kind of not got the issues that you would associate, the crime spikes. It goes through the roof. So the primary problem about, um, you know, and, and again, I, I, you won't hear politicians say this. I want to be wrong. I don't want to be correct, but I have yet to find something that's that's a, a solution for this. So the first problem is if you're going to discuss, well, we'll have a supervised injection site, where are you going to put that? I mean, downtown's suffering already, and if the evidence, not the opinions and not everybody's narrative, if the evidence supports that crime is going to go through the roof in the surrounding areas you know, within walking distance of the site, I guess, where do you put that? It can't go in a residential neighborhood, and if you're trying to revitalize downtown, it can't go there. You're gonna put it in an industrial park. I, I, I just don't understand some of these, these problems that we're not uh, getting in front of beforehand.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, I, again, I don't think you're gonna hear a lot of people saying, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, and, I, and in a lot of ways, I hope the chief of police is wrong. I hope he can start getting sleep again and that Danny doesn't feel that the future looks bleak. But we're the guys who are dealing with it. You know, If you talk to the women and men in law enforcement and say, how is this? They don't give you good answers and most of them are looking at moving out of town.
0: Something else I wanted to ask you, uh, and we're focusing in on meth, but but something else that you said uh, that I thought was kind of interesting, that police officers now, there are police officers on the streets of Winnipeg using a computer system that is older than them.
1: The, the programming. Yeah. Uh, and the computer. Uh, yeah. We're, the, the computer itself, the keyboard and the, and the yeah, screen. Yeah. Uh, no, but, but it's, the, it's the programming. It's the, uh, I mean, you try and discuss if it's 14 years old. You ever update your iPhone? I mean, it deliberately starts to slow down. When I'm looking at a computer program that I got to press seven buttons to get something I should get immediately, it starts to lose credibility. I mean, Mm -hmm. we have to use it. It's the only one we have. But we need to improve that. That that is a systems, you know, call it an information infrastructure. Mm -hmm. We need to address that immediately. This is what's going to put police officers back out onto the street. And I mean, I, I'm not trying to politic here, but there were studies that were done. We paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for it. Why is the current administration, uh, the you know, the city gets this information, says, this is what we need. And uh, it's dismissed. You know, if you have experts and you have opinions from people who are using, get those user groups and, and get feedback and improve the system. Mm. That would get more police officers out. I can tell you right now. Uh, if you were living in River Heights, this is the solution that you're seeking. You want police officers. I used to do that job for many years in that area. We used to catch people, deter people. They don't come back the next night. People say, well, they're out on conditions. Well, if they've got conditions and I stop them on the bicycle on the sidewalk going down in River Heights, hey, you're breaching. And if I could process them faster, I can start taking yeah, more of them. right. That's not the solution to the meth crisis no, but it I is know, taking care but it's something care, that I wanted to ask well, you property about. property yeah. crime and, and random acts of violence and mm-hmm. and now uh, it's going to escalate. It's the indicators are showing that it's going to escalate. If the people lock up their bikes, their garages, their cars, mm-hmm. well then they're going to find other sources of revenue to try and get that methamphetamine. Yeah. So I I'm, I'm a big advocate of get the police and get us to be out where we need to be and that's not sitting in a building waiting our turn mm-hmm. to uh you know process a system that it's I won't say unusable, but it's certainly not uh, friendly to anybody.
0: Everybody's upset, Fiona Odlum, that we're only going to get 10 or 12 minutes with you instead of our normal half hour. Yep. (laughs) People are texting in and emailing. Oh oh, yes. Oh, you're very popular. Yes.
2: Oh geez. I don't know about that.
0: (laughs) Hey, uh, I I told everybody I'm, I'm staying away from the lake this weekend. The weather's not nice enough. Jackie and I are going to go and see a star is born. Are you excited at all about that movie?
2: Yeah, I already saw it. Oh, tell me me about it. Okay, it is fantastic. I mean, it's a story we've already heard before. I mean, this is the third time they've remade this movie. Yeah. But there well, I is think it's actually
0: one... more than that, but yeah. Three, oh, really? <laughs> yes, but three big remakes, yeah.
2: Right, yeah. But um, Bradley Cooper can sing. Like, there is no doubt about that. You believe his character right from the second the movie starts. But How? There is a part in the movie where where Bradley Cooper discovers Lady Gaga, as I like to call her, and um, she doesn't feel that she can be a a big famous star because she's been told repeatedly over and over and over about her unsightly nose. Yeah,
0: you sound good, but you don't look all that good.
2: You don't look good, you know? You're made for the radio, like you and me. And so, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but there is a part there where Bradley Cooper touches her nose in such an erotic way. Really? It it, it is a very defining moment of the movie. Hmm. And it it is very unexpected, and it's very sensual, and it's just so innocent. It's probably the best part of the movie for me. Wow. It's absolutely amazing. So that
0: one thing that she has been told uh, is Mm -hmm. not attractive about her, he makes it attractive.
2: The, the most beautiful part of her,
0: hmm.
2: and you don't look at noses the same. And and as someone who grew up with a bad nose and then had it cosmetically fixed, uh, I'm kind of like, oh dang, I shouldn't have changed my nose.
0: Yeah. Well, I really, I, and I'm and I'm not just saying this. I really, uh, I really think some of the most attractive things about people. Uh, are the things often that others will, you know, criticize or point out as a flaw. Yeah. I, I think those, yeah. I think you embrace that stuff uh, if you can. Yeah. I know sometimes it's hard and some people have a hard time doing that, but no, I, I think you say, hey, this is this is me. Yeah.
2: You know? Absolutely. Like, I mean, look at Owen Wilson for crying out loud. Yeah. Now that's a nose, mm-hmm. right? And that has not stopped him. That guy has had a huge career. And uh, so anyway, go see A Star is Born. I give it four and a half out of five. Wow. You're going to love, it.
0: I, just looked on, love uh, it. I just looked on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think it was the critics are giving it 90, critics are giving it 92%. Audience is giving it 85% right now.
2: Yeah, this is gonna be a big, huge Oscar movie. The soundtrack is incredible. Mm. And this is the other thing too that you need to know about the movie is that these weren't these weren't songs sung in a studio and then dubbed in they are singing live. Are they? They're wow. live singing. Isn't yeah, that something, it is eh? incredible. It's a really, really good movie. Whether mm. you like Lady Gaga, and I know you love Bradley Cooper because I've read your blog, Al. You can't stop talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're going to, this is the full value. Yeah. Do not wait to see this at home. Go to the theater. You need to see it there.
0: Yeah, I'm not a huge Lady Gaga fan, but when she sings that song that's in the trailer in this movie, mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, I get gooseys as Jennifer. For Lopez and yeah. say on uh, on American Idol, ooh, I got goosies. and Brad I got the goosies. Co- and Bradley Cooper. First of all, incredibly uh, talented, mm-hmm. gorgeous to look at, but he is yeah. funny. He is a funny, yeah. funny guy. Yeah
2: yeah absolutely yeah well don't remember we all fell in love with him with wedding crashers like that's he was the jerk boyfriend right and Mm -hmm. yeah no he's he is crazy talent because he also directed this movie right wrote it directed uh, it
0: starred in it Yeah, yeah learned to sing wow
2: yeah. Crazy.
0: Hey, by what did the way, uh week? by the, yeah, I wonder I do this week. No, nothing compared to that. Uh, Scott <laughs> just uh texted in Scott at 204-780-6868. Speaking of noses, Fionni says if friends were noses, I'd still pick you. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I thought adorable. that was uh, I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> hey, a bunch of stuff and and hardly no time to talk. So let me get to a couple things yeah, here. Okay, more than one later. in three adults eat fast food every day. Who are these people? <laughs> I don't eat. Do you eat fast food every day? Uh,
2: no, but at least twice a week for sure.
0: What is your go-to yeah. fast food item? Favorite.
2: Listen, oh boy, I'm going to be honest. I go to KFC and I get the little, um, pack of chicken tenders. Yeah. It's like you get six for 10 bucks. I take them home and I chop it up and I put it in salad.
0: Well,
3: that's a good I, idea. I, I do.
2: Yeah. I do that quite often actually. And then listen, I know that's disgusting. I don't care. I eat the McDonald's fries. I love it.
0: Yeah. I love it. I uh, yeah, There are, I've yet to meet any fast food that I, I really don't like. Um, for some reason, though, and I don't know why, because I don't think it's, uh, I, I would probably say, boy, I'm kind of waffling on this all over the place. I'll say a w <laughs> Papa Burger.
2: Oh, okay. Have you had the Beyond the Meat from a and Yes,
0: it is excellent.
2: Excellent. I don't even
0: realize I am not eating meat. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Yeah.
2: Okay, but this is the question we were we were talking about this in the newsroom the other day. Do you ever see anybody going to an Arby's? Like no one goes no to an one. Arby's yet you you never see an Arby's closing down.
0: That's true. <laughs> yeah. Or another one that I went to recently and I was like, Wow, I it was a Harveys up the street here. That's another oh, yeah, one they're, yeah. they're around, but I, yeah, I, I hardly ever go there. Hey, one more. Oh, we're almost out, of, we're almost oh, out okay. of time. One more here. I got to get this one in. Cause we were laughing about this in the newsroom here today. <laughs> okay. Does toothpaste make your boobs bigger? Apparently, apparently <laughs> online, there are videos that are being viewed by millions and millions of people. Apparently there's nothing to this. But women are doing this. They are rubbing toothpaste what? on their breasts to make their breasts grow.
2: Well, okay. Is it like with the tartar fighter or is it the white
0: mean? I'm, so, I'm not sure if it's a particular <laughs> type of uh, toothpaste. Do I but need the
2: one with scope?
0: <laughs> apparently, this is a thing.
2: Wow. Yeah. Well, you know what? I don't need any help in that department. Okay,
0: good to know. All right. I just wondered if that was something you girls talk about. I just was curious to know if that's... Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if this is like, obviously it's getting attention online, but that doesn't necessarily mean people are talking about it in real life, right? So I just wondered if this is something that you've talked about.
2: It was very funny the other day. So um, my roommate is actually going for a breast reduction. It was absolutely adorable. So she's telling telling her grandma. Her grandma is 91, Thelma. She goes, Thelma, I'm getting a breast reduction. This is legit yesterday. She goes, I'm getting a breast reduction. She's like, why? Why don't you wait till you're 90? They'll just disappear.
0: (laughs) They don't disappear. Like, They're just down on the floor. That's all.
2: Exactly. <laughs> your, your bifocals won't let you see them anymore. <laughs> yes.
0: Where did they go? They're right there. I can see them. Look down. Uh, Fiona, always oh great chatting gosh. with you. Have a great weekend. Yeah. I am thankful Happy, to have you as a friend and as a regular guest out. on this show. Happy Thanksgiving.
2: Happy Thanksgiving, my darling. There she goes. Take care.
0: Fiona them <laughs> Cyrus Dirksen is here. You can find him at D-R-S-Y-R-A-S dot com, or right here every Friday. Between two thirty and three. Well, Cyrus, first of all, happy Thanksgiving.
3: Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you and everybody out there. Yeah, good to
0: see you. We got a few things we're gonna talk about today, but can we talk for a moment about being thankful or mm. having gratitude? Can we maybe <laughs> do you have any words of wisdom on I'm when uh I go through tough times, yep. I uh I think gratitude is a really important thing. Mm-hmm. I find that gets me through tough times. When I'm, when I'm having a hard time with something, I just, I, I'm really, I, I look at gratitude and I'm, I'm grateful for what I have and I, that gets me through it.
3: Sometimes when uh, I'm doing couples counseling, I have couples who come in angry and normally an angry couple is very difficult to get anywhere, you know, in couples counseling. So it's, it's kind of almost a wasted session, although you can still learn things, and you can still do things with that session. So it's not totally wasted, but it's not going to be typical. And it's hard to get a couple to calm down and to become logical again and there's uh, I've tried a few different things to try to kind of overcome that and one of the most powerful things psychologically uh, in general to kind of reorient your thinking is gratitude and in this example with these couples who are kind of frustrated with each other angry about something that happened hopefully before the session uh, gratitude is one of the only things that I can sometimes use to actually reorient them back into a calm state where they can actually talk to each other again in a kind of a rational way. So, uh, the research shows that it's one of the most powerful things we can do. And in my, my work, I've also found that one of the more difficult situations interpersonally that it's actually helpful there too.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, I think that's, uh, Take a couple of minutes yes. this weekend, if nothing else, to be grateful for what we have, because sometimes yeah. we, we focus on the the stuff that's bugging us, and often it's not really that significant.
3: Sometimes oh. it is, obviously,
0: yeah. but often it's not. And I think if you can just take a minute and sort of look at what you have in your life and be mm-hmm. grateful for that, I think that can be really valuable. For sure. Yeah. All right. A few things. Um, can we start with this? I, because I was telling a story earlier about my mom when I when my mom was stressed out or when she was upset or <laughs> she would open every window in the house and she would start cleaning. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter if it was minus forty outside. <laughs> windows air it out, clean, <laughs> clean, clean. Why does cleaning <laughs> relieve stress uh, for a lot
3: of people? You know it's interesting because when you're angry like that or when you're frustrated, uh, you you end up getting a lot of energy too. And I think that that's by designed in a way where you know you have this energy in order to fix a problem Mm. and so oftentimes you do hear about couples when they're angry um, cleaning and doing things like this and and I've almost heard of kind of people almost being happy when their partner gets upset (laughs) (laughs) well let this go a little longer (laughs) at at least the house is is clean we'll fix it later Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so it's it's definitely something that I see regularly and And there is research to support it, which isn't too surprising because so many people see this in their life. You know, mothers who have a cluttered home, have more stress hormone, you know, flowing through them. People, this is an interesting one, people who make their beds in the morning have uh, a better sleep. I'd be interested to know if you can cause that or if that's just a kind of a relationship Hang out there. Hang on a
0: second. What, people who
3: make their bed in the yeah. morning have a better sleep? Yeah, they sleep longer. Isn't that interesting? Really? So I don't know if it's just people who have better sleeps love their mo- their bed more and so they make it in the morning yeah. or, or all the people who don't sleep well hate it and kick it in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if it's actually that making your bed helps you sleep. But I have to say, I could understand that a little bit. I mean, when I come to bed and the bed is made, it does give me a little bit of a, of a feeling of um, like this is going to be a good night, or yeah. kind of comfort there. Yeah. Um. So you know, maybe you know, yeah. I, it's hard to believe, but yeah. I don't know. I can go to kind of go yeah. there. Yeah. Um. You know, uh, it increases productivity, uh, even in the home and um, people eat better, um, people uh, eat better when they have a clean home. So mm. there are these effects that we can see, and we can also see it in, uh, in workplaces, the same kind of thing. People who work in open office spaces uh, generally aren't able to be as productive as creative um, people who are kind of in more of their own office are able to focus more uh, be creative more and pay attention more to their work and be more productive so you know our environment really does affect us people like landscapes and nature scenes yeah. more than kind of cityscapes it really does affect our mental health And, um, you know, you can come up with theories. I don't know if people have kind of really come up with a solid one that you can test, other than the fact that we know that this is something that's real. And, uh, I mean, there are kind of things you can think of, like, well, you can find things easier. Uh, It seems that people who are more cluttered in their home procrastinate more. And if you procrastinate more... You lose money, like sometimes, some people have said 10 to 15% of your income can go to procrastination, you know, you don't go shopping, so then you got to eat out, so there goes some money. You do procrastinate that phone call, so you lose a client, so there goes some more money, or you lose that promotion. Yeah. So, you know, these things really do seem to have this impact. If, you're, if you have a cluttered home, you don't have yeah. as many guests over, so maybe you're more isolated. Huh. Um, So, yeah, this is a real thing, and um, so I'd encourage everybody to go out and organize something in your home today. You'll feel better. Well,
0: we're also going to talk about choice overload, and it's funny because in talking about you coming in, I was talking about my mom and how she would open all the windows and that, you know, cleaning sort of relieved her stress, whatever was, was bothering her, but then I was saying, speaking of procrastination, I was saying, you know, I have taken the whole uh, tough to make a decision thing to a point where it's now become procrastination. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I, I am a, a kind of an analytical person. I like to think things through. And, you know, I find that I, I find better solutions when I take more time. Sure, yeah. But I am now to the point Uh-oh. where I'm taking way too much time. Yeah. And, and then I blow it off and go, oh, ah, well, you know, and now it's become horrible procrastination.
3: Yeah, I, yeah. Well, I know that uh, there's often times in my life where, uh, you know, you kind of have two options and you're trying to select. And then in the end, I I found, I'm, I have to make so many decisions in my day, yeah. uh, you know, with clients or, you know, uh, basically I have to run a business kind of during my lunch hour. Right. And, um, you know, so I have to make them quickly and Oftentimes, some of these decisions that I'm agonizing over don't have real costs to them. And it's just like, just make up your mind and, um, you know, like... uh if you have to hire somebody to do a small job it's like you know what just hire this person you'll yeah. find out if they're good when you do it it costs you you know a few hours of work and you'll find out if they're good that way rather than doing a, a you know five reference checks and t- yeah. three interviews that take wasting up more. Wasting a bunch of your time a bunch which of is my worth time. money. Yeah and, and, yeah. and uh, so sometimes I find just making it or sometimes these choices that people make it feel like it's such a big deal or advertisers want you to feel like it's such a big deal really make no difference at all mm-hmm. uh, or hard any difference, and you'll probably be okay either way. Yeah. And so, just kind of rapidly, because it uses energy in your brain to make the choice. That's yeah. and, and that can kind of end up uh, costing you later.
0: You talked about you know having a, a cluttered house and and how that affects you. Uh, and how you feel about things, do you think the same thing goes for a cluttered mind? Oh, yeah. Like, do you think as we deal with issues in our life, whatever those issues happen to be, mm-hmm. do you think that maybe it gets better if we deal with the clutter in our mind or our brain mm-hmm. as well, do you mm-hmm. think? Or?
3: Well, you see this in people who have kind of obsessiveness or a pe- obsessive-compulsive disorder. I mean, how are you supposed to clean your house, if we're talking about something like that, if you can't get in the house because you continue to have to check the door. Yeah. Um, you know, so definitely if you are anxious, your productivity is going to go down for many reasons. Uh, you know, one is you, you can't make a choice. Uh, two, maybe you can't uh, concentrate, you can't perform as well. And so, yeah, these, you know, a cluttered mind being, uh, I mean, when you think about a very cluttered mind, somebody who's extremely anxious or, uh, you know, becoming depressed, they can't do anything anymore. Mm uh they uh kind of have to maybe some people who are depressed have to lay on the couch all day and they can become completely incapacitated by their thoughts um so definitely being able to organize prioritize and let go of your thoughts uh you know quickly and efficiently is enormous for helping you to feel like you can accomplish something in life. Yeah.
0: Did we talk uh, much about choice? Uh, choice overload. Why decision making can be so hard. We touched on that, but did
3: we? Yeah. I, well, no. There's. You know, this is interesting research. This kind of goes yeah. back to talk the, about the research yeah. for sure. It goes back to the year 2000. This this research came out about jam. And they had this kind of set up in a in a very natural location. I don't know exactly where, but it kind of out in the community. And they had, you know, different amounts of different kind of numbers of choices of jams. And what they were finding was that, it, you know, it, uh, people like to have some choice. It wasn't good just to have one type of jam at the... But then when they got to too many, yeah. there was this choice overload. But, but before you get too excited about this, they've... Uh, this can happen in psychological research where sometimes when you go back and you try to replicate these findings, it can actually be a little bit challenging. And so this is one of those where, you know, this initial research was really compelling and it still maybe has some validity, but there's a lot of caveats. So, uh, when they actually have tested this and number, it was such a pretty impressive piece of research, people got really excited about it. I mean, they, all the stores out there market only and all the owners of companies yeah. and retailers is getting really you know excited about this research. So it was replicated a lot. And when they actually went and looked at the kind of meta-analysis, which means looking at the research, all of these different studies, they actually had trouble finding, you know, finding it at all, finding any effect mm. uh, for, for choice overload. So I think it's there, uh, I do, after kind of looking at it, but I think that there's some, you know, caveats to this. So if you're presented with a lot of choices, it doesn't really matter as much if there's a lot of choices, if you already kind of know what you're doing. So if it's like, I like blueberry jam, and there's like a million different fruit you know, jams out there, yeah. it's not going to affect you as much. like, well, where's the blueberry? You know right. what I mean? Uh, right. Just give me that one. Uh, if you're an expert, it's not going to ex- affect you as much. So if you're walking into something where you're not familiar, a lot of the choices are really similar, and there's no real way of picking them apart, uh, you can really get overwhelmed. Hmm. I remember experiencing this. I went to a store where... I won't name names, but it was like a store where you could kind of do buy it from the warehouse and everything you had to buy out of catalogs and the catalogs didn't have pictures. And it was right. just kind of lists of descriptions. Yeah. Um, and I found I was looking at this catalog, which is about like the thickness of a mail of, a, you know, a phone book, you yeah. know, if you can remember phone books, yes. you know, and uh, and it and I was just like, how do I buy a you know, a coffee table out of this. Thing. You know, it's, like, it's like all I see is numbers and dimensions yeah. and things like this. There was no way for my brain to quickly pick apart what I liked and what yeah. I didn't like. And that would be, I think, a you know, an extreme version of complete choice overload. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of times when you can go into a store and you can kind of easily see the difference. You know what you, you've been there before, you know what you want, and it's not going to nearly affect you as much.
0: Yeah. But, but what is crazy about the idea of choice overload is, you, you don't want, what's the right number, right? That's I mean, right. You know, you got one, sorry, I got one, right. do you want it or not? That's right. easy. Right? That's
3: more like the Costco approach, right? Like, right? like one more, one for each category. Here you maybe, go. Maybe, maybe two if you're lucky.
0: Right. But, <laughs> but then, you know, but then too many is like, what's the right number? Right. Right. I mean, that's, you know,
3: that, that's the million dollar question. It's funny. Cause I think for me, I actually like the Costco approach. Cause I, I have too many decisions in my day. So I'm like, Oh, you know what? I, I've, Well, it's going to be a Costco commercial now. Like, I kind of like... That's okay. I like Costco. (laughs) I kind of like the fact that they're not just giving me every option. They're picking the one that they think I'm going to like. Right. And then I just have to walk in and pick it off the shelf.
0: And they don't want you to buy one. They want you to buy 40.
3: (laughs) Here, this is the one, and you're going to buy 40 of them. So you'll never,
0: ever have to make that decision again. Ever. Uh, In the news, you heard about Mayor Bowman's idea of uh, 24-7 construction, and I want to talk about that now with Chris Lawrence. He joins us on the phone. He is the president of the Manitoba Heavy Construction Association. Good afternoon, Chris. Thank you for doing this. Hi, how are you? Excellent. Hey, before we get into this, uh, are you heading up to the cottage this weekend? I'm passing. I I don't want to go up there in the middle of winter.
4: You know what? I was going to go out this afternoon, but I'm looking (laughs) at the weather both here and there, and... I don't know. The coach is looking pretty good.
0: Yeah, no kidding.
4: <laughs> so, and go, Bombers go. And
0: go, Bombers go. Absolutely. So, Mayor Bowman, he wants to see more 24-7 construction. He's uh, wanting to start up an industry working group. He wants to ask homeowners if they want it done faster, the crews will work 24-7. If they want, they can work normal hours and then the whatever the uh, project is, will take will take longer. Your initial thoughts to this idea, uh, is it a good idea? I think most taxpayers would say yes.
4: Well, I, I think that uh, establishing an advisory committee that would have the design consulting engineer, uh, public works, uh, the heavy civil uh, industry, to look at ways that the city can accelerate the timing of its uh, budget decisions, the allocation of design work, Uh, ensuring that bid opportunities are advertised early so that at the crack of spring we can get out and start uh, uh, rebuilding uh, Winnipeg's infrastructure makes a ton of sense, and we're certainly there. Uh, To suggest, however, that uh, there be an across-the-board 24-7 uh, construction is simply not feasible. It, it can't work in our city, like it or not. Wistful thinking, notwithstanding, for a variety of reasons, which include safety, visibility, the inability to access supplies, inspection, and related, um, and the noise factor. Um, so, all of those all of those things speak against the 24/7 idea. In exceptional circumstances where there's an emergency or the nature of the project requires it, then of course that should be done and can be done. But to do it across the board would be overly disruptive, expensive with no value back to the taxpayer.
0: So how much of the work do you think we could do 24-7? 50%, 60%, can you put a number on it or not really? Well, uh,
4: Hal, let me ask you, you live in a residential area or you live in an apartment, whether it's adjacent to a residential street or a regional street, how much fun are you going to have listening to the backup uh, uh, beeping to jackhammering to whatever work may be ongoing during a construction site? Uh, It simply isn't feasible. When we were building, when industry was building uh, Waverly to accommodate um, the development west of Waverly, uh, industry and police were getting calls from residents well in excess of a kilometer away complaining about the noise. So if somebody wants to put their telephone number on a construction project for for calls in the middle of the night, early morning, to handle complaints, go ahead. But it simply can't work in twenty four seven circumstances in jurisdictions where it's attempted. It's usually assets which are remote and quite a fair distance away from interfering with uh, residential uses. Uh, There isn't a regional, a residential, a collector street in this city that isn't flanked on either side by residential uh, dwellings. That's the reality.
0: Yeah. You know, you make some really good points there because I think as taxpayers, we think, yes, let's get it done faster. It makes sense. But you're right. When it comes down to it and that work is being done with people living all around that, how often will that work? And and you're right. It's not going to work all the time for sure.
4: And, you know, there are ways that the city can accelerate some of the things that I've alluded to already. The other is. For example, when they were rebuilding St. James, uh, they could have shut down all or a portion of St. James to allow the construction industry unimpeded access to rebuilding that street, which could have saved 20 to 25% uh, in terms of project duration. Now, is it an inconvenience? Yes, it is. But so, too, is going to a dentist for an appointment or a doctor for an appointment. But we do these things because there's a benefit at the end of the day. In this case, if you can uh, inconvenience for a shorter period of time using detour and you can make the cost of construction more effective and competitive by shutting down both sides, both ways of the street, you ought to be looking at that.
0: Well, and maybe that's something we'll see if uh, Bowman gets back in, and it's certainly looking like he will, and he follows through with this industry working group. Maybe there will be instances where that can be decided and now done differently as opposed to the way it's been done in the past.
4: Yeah, the working group is, is is a great concept. Accelerating budget approvals, accelerating the award of contracts using qualification-based selection, ensuring that uh, bid opportunities are tendered and advertised uh, early and contracts awarded in a timely basis saves literally months and millions of dollars to the public purse. And that's what should be looked at primarily.
0: Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.